0: Bitter blow the winter winds that spread the snow in layers thin. Atop the mounds, but deep within, there can be found her hoof-shaped prince. Red drops of death escorted her past several rabbit skins and furs. A camp where hunters once bantered and reveled Drops now fall from the antlers of the devil. Yes, we have another night of terror ahead. But first, let me share with you another exciting, otherworldly adventure from the Time to Die Radio Network. It's called Odyssey. It's a wild adventure that takes place in the distant future. The 19. 19- 80s. Or at least that's where it all began, as three musicians are chased off of planet Earth during a sort of alien attack. And over the next few years, they form a band called The Aldrins, becoming intergalactic sensations. Well, this tale picks up Twenty years later, after the band had a falling out, their paths cross again with an unpleasant reunion, and they're hurled into another wild and fast-paced adventure. Yes, friend, Odyssey is a fun tale for the whole family. Mothers will appreciate the violence and heavy drunk use, kids will enjoy learning new crew language and everyone will appreciate the original music and songs between episodes. Find Odyssey wherever you get your Time to Die shows. And now back to our story. Dart, Elliot, and Ronnie relayed their eyewitness accounts of the Palm Lounge's shattered windows to the local authorities.
1: After Vandermeek got done squeezing his organ, I started hollering her last call, but not before the three of us, that's Vandermeek, Frosty, and myself, had a bit of a something-something. Before you know it, there was just the three of us gabbing at the bar when the door blew open. We told it the button its slipped, but then it did it again, and the glass broke. <laughs> Frosty thought it was a spook. <laughs> I think it was a something.
0: Ronnie drove Elliot into town, and they stopped for a burger next door to where Elliot had originally intended to be stained at the table, they bumped into Dr. Dorothy Greenbank.
1: You know, there's a dame in town that talks about spooks a lot. And who might that be? Some kind of doctor. At least she calls herself that. I didn't know there could be women doctors, but apparently she studies things like ghosts and goblins? I don't know.
2: The door literally swings open as you're saying that, Roddy, and you look over and you see Dr. Greenbank walking into the
3: place. Speak of the doctor. There were sounds of footsteps coming from the outside, and then there were these handprints that appeared on the glass of the door and worked their way up towards the ceiling. And then all of a sudden the glass burst.
4: Encounters with the paranormal are always frightening. Ooh, this is, this is, this is good stuff.
0: (sighs) Meanwhile, Dart visited the general manager of the Four Seasons Resort, and something mysterious happened
2: oh there's no question about it you're gonna be fine you're gonna knock them dead baby i'm telling you there's no problem there and he starts like running through long quick platitudes with you and the big bay window directly behind his desk as he's speaking begins to frost up and you watch as these small handprints begin to crawl and cover them slowly, and it gets to maybe three quarters of the way. Saul turns around, and as soon as he spins, the window looks incredibly normal to you, and you assume to him, because he then turns back around and looks at you like, uh...
0: Let's return and see what else is going on in our tale of the Devil's Antlers.
3: So, uh, before we head back to the hotel, um, I just need to get some- a few things straight here before we take off.
4: Okay, hon, take your time.
3: And, uh, yeah, I'll kind of, um, get out of my seat and collect my things and, uh, I'm guessing we've already paid our bill. Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Um, I'm assuming Jan will probably see me, uh, step outside and start to head towards the, uh, the boarding house. Yeah, she'll, uh, she'll bustle up from
2: uh, behind the bar. She's been just kind of cleaning some things. There's a sink back there that she's doing some dishes and whatnot. And um, she'll uh, grab a key off of the giant board that's uh, behind the bar. Um, and all of the keys are numbered. And uh, she grabs number seven and uh, rushes after you. All right. And then she'll... Uh, take you next door um and the front door is open and there are like long hallways and at either end there are um stairwells that have landings after you get you know to each floor and you can sort of like and uh she says uh okay so uh seven's gonna be up on uh um third floor uh do you need any help getting up there, or you think you'll be able to find it on your own?
3: Um, no, uh, no, thank you. Um, here, I, I have. Uh, I'm going to take my suitcase and place it on the, the desk, and flip it open, <coughs> and I'm going to take out that um, that vanilla envelope with the cash mm-hmm. in it and hand it over to her. I believe this is what we agreed upon.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Uh, you know, uh, if you need anything or anything like that, uh, you know, trying to. Find
3: any toiletries or the like. Just come and give me a wrinkle. Got no problem with helping you out. Uh, thank you very much. I, I noticed some goods in the, the other store there. I, I'll i probably be coming by later to procure some things.
2: Yeah, you'd look mighty good in a raccoon skin hat. Maybe you should think about getting one. Anyway, toodaloo. And she'll uh, head out. Because um, she, she had followed you next door. And so you guys yeah. are just kind of in the hallway at this point, and so you would, uh, you would make your <laughs> way up.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna go up the steps and, um, take my suitcase in there and, you know, just take the things that I actually need. I, I am gonna make sure, like, uh, to look around. Is there a typewriter in there?
2: Um, so one of the things that you'll notice is that there are, uh, there are three rooms on every floor, um, except for the first floor, which you assume, um, they must have a room reserved or something like that because there's a room, but it doesn't have a number on it, and then you have one and two, and then, you know what I mean, on, so on and so forth. And so your room would be uh, would be the middle one in uh, on the third floor, and there is
3: not a typewriter in it. All right. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to place my suitcase on the bed. Notice that there's uh, an empty desk up there by the window. And I'm going to let out a (sighs) long sigh. Okay. And uh, I'm going to, uh, lock the room back up and start to head back down and head back, uh, towards the, towards the trading post.
1: All right. While he was gone, Ronnie would have broken the awkward silence with, uh, So, how are the spooks?
4: Eh, the spooks are, um elusive as they always are but boy howdy they just don't want to be found
1: how about those two girls
4: oh i know it's just awful i feel so bad i mean
1: i got a theory that might interest you
4: all right i'm interested a bear that's yes that's a very possible theory admittedly i was hoping for something a little bit more exciting
1: a bear with a gun
4: I don't think that's physically possible.
1: And I thought that out of everybody in town, you might be the one to believe me.
4: I usually would be, but bear's paws are not structured to hold guns. It could be some kind of animal that is a bear-ish
1: holding a gun. You ever heard of a jackalope? Yes, I have heard of a jackalope. The craziest thing, it's a bunny that's got these antlers. Why can't a bear have opposable thumbs? Maybe it's got people hands.
4: Okay, do you have evidence as to this?
1: Ah, It's all just a work in theory. But I thought that maybe as we go, we can put this as kind of a side project to investigate alongside of our exploding doors and things.
4: Of course, of course. You know, open minds. That's kind of what I do.
1: How'd you like the coffee here?
4: It was, it was decent. I had coffee with the priest
1: before this, so it's, it's a... I want you to be completely honest with me. You can't hurt my feelings. Okay. How does the coffee here compare to the Four Seasons?
4: I mean, last time I was there, it was pretty good coffee and very good jazz.
1: Well, we still got both if you ever want to stop by.
4: Oh, of course. I was planning on it.
1: So, I wonder what's keeping him.
4: I don't know. It's probably some kind of, well, you know, you know me, you know academics. We all have our hangups. I'm sure they don't have like ink and paper in his desk or something.
3: <laughs> At this point, you would have seen me just uh, walk back in and instead of going to our table, I'm going towards the uh, the sort of shop part and I immediately like go to several of the shelves.
4: Yep. It's one of those academic hangups.
2: Jim. Gem- kind of bustles behind you, Elliot, and uh, she says, so is uh, everything to your liking?
3: I believe that we had in our arrangement that there would be a typewriter in the room, and uh, I didn't notice one in there.
2: Oh, you know, I do remember that now that uh, you say something. Um, here's what I can do. I can have uh, Tom bring you uh, a typewriter up there, or if you want, I can go and fetch it,
3: and you can carry it up yourself. Well, if it's no bother, uh, maybe I can grab some things down here, and he can run them all up at the the same time at his uh, convenience. I and Dr. Greenbank have uh, some things to do um, for a little while. I'll be back uh, later on tonight. I just wanted to get a few things before we left.
2: Here's the thing, young man, that I think you're probably not going to understand unless I say it, and so... With all due respect, this is not a hotel, okay? There's no sort of, like, concierge. It's just me and Tom, okay? So maybe
3: bring your own stuff up to your room. Noted. Um, I'd still like to get the things. uh, 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 Books. And then I kind of point towards uh, some shelves that have a couple of books. And I quickly, like, just pour through them, looking for anything that's just not completely out of, like, my interest, and uh, I'll pull out uh, several science fiction books, um, The Demolished Man by Alfred Bester, and uh, several Philip K. Dick short stories. And um, I'm going to peruse around and kind of just pick stuff up, put it back, and then I find um, Magic in Theory and Practice by Alistair Crowley, and I'm going to get that as well. Then uh, Sewing Kit... And he's going to take a quick glance outside. And uh, is the school visible from from the trading post? The school is not visible from the trading post. Uh, go ahead and roll me intelligence. All right. All right. And that is a seven. And the intelligence that yeah, way under. So, yeah, I pass. So you would know that... Uh- that Beecher,
2: Dunbar, and Penbine all have to combine their school. And so it's a little bit further out to kind of accommodate the people that are, uh, either having to bus their kids
3: in or drive them. So, yeah, I guess, um, even without, uh, seeing the school, um, something, you know, triggers a thought in my mind that, um, I should probably get something for, uh, for Hamlet and, um, I quickly sort of look around and, you know, it's just a a small town good shop and everything and so I'm, like, seeing nothing and, uh, I I look up and behind the the counter there's a toboggan hanging on the wall and, um, I say, uh, I think I'll actually take that too.
2: I mean, it's kind of a decoration, you know? Um,
3: Ten bucks? Ten bucks will do her and yeah uh total everything up and then uh hand the money across um yeah she will take it and um put it into the
2: large old brass cash register and then shove it shut and then after a little while tom will come out with and he's this big burly mustachioed man completely bald on top um and he kind of keeps, you know, longer hair on the sides and, you know, he tries to keep it neatly quaffed. but he honestly looks kind of ridiculous. But, uh, then he puts, uh, <laughs> he puts this like enormous typewriter onto the, uh, onto the bar and it is old. <laughs> like Elliot, this thing really might be older than you are. All right. But, um, I mean It seems like it'll do, you know And, uh, he provides you with some paper And some ink ribbons And, yeah You, uh, you're pretty well good to go
3: Alright, cool Yeah, like, I quickly sort of fiddle with it And make sure everything, like, you know Is moved, and can move And is oiled and all that kind of stuff And, and I say, uh, yeah This is satisfactory Uh, thank you, Tom
1: I think while all that's going on, uh, Ronnie is still theorizing about the possibility of bears with guns because he just doesn't have (laughs) a whole lot of topics to discuss with uh, the considerably more intelligent Dr. Greenbank. It's like a
3: Rube Goldberg machine for this animal to come shoot this gun.
4: Honey, I really do see where you're coming from. Let's add this to the docket, okay? Yeah, right. I'll look up bears with guns when I get back to Marinette at my office.
1: (laughs) I'd appreciate that.
4: I will, I will. Just prepare yourself for disappointment. First rule of academia, you never count on what you can't see with your own two eyes. That's not actually the first rule of academia. I think that's like somewhere down in the 20s, but that's... The principle remains the same.
3: Yeah, I hear her say this as I'm walking back up after dealing with all that stuff, and I say, um, "Well, in in my field, it's quite the contrary. Uh, very little of what we can see has anything to do with what can be derived."
1: It hey, was the Haps, Frosty. Hey, you got some sort of side investigation going on here at the post?
3: Uh, it the investigation is closed. Thank you. We can make our way to the to the Four Seasons.
1: You're leaving, aren't you? You turn traitor. It's the coffee. I know it's the coffee. You don't gotta tell me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm gonna miss you, Frosty.
4: I don't think he's going anywhere except with us right now, hon.
1: He was getting his bicycle. He wanted to ride into town. I just don't think he ever had plans to stay at the Four Seasons.
3: Uh, no, I'm not staying at the Four Seasons. One night was enough.
1: You know, I don't mean to impose or anything. I mean, I don't want to be forward. But you could come stay with me. I got plenty of room.
3: I just stare at you blankly <laughs> for an uncomfortable <laughs> amount of time. <laughs> and then I say, um, No, I think I'll be all right.
1: Suit yourself. How about you? I'll look at Dr. Greenbank. <laughs>
4: Oh, um, I was actually planning on staying at the Four Seasons. I finally got my
1: son-in-law to sign off on a checking account, so... Well, <laughs> ain't that a prize in the jacks? We just had a room open. Interesting. Yeah, it's Frosty's room. I wouldn't go up there until it gets clean.
4: <laughs> I don't know. You don't seem like the type to leave a room messy.
1: Uh, no, I... There's just a lot of dust in it. Look at him. <laughs> I do one of those blank stares again. <laughs> guy like him, his books are probably dustier than a bar shelf during Prohibition.
4: Oh boy. You don't actually,
1: many of my books are quite new. Um, we're at
3: the the breaking cusp of scientific advancement. Um, it's actually very fascinating.
4: If you were going to look at between the two of us, which one of us deals with older stuff, you're probably looking at the one of us that is the older
1: stuff. Fair point. That's a fair point. So how about it? We ready to cut out? Hit the road? Give the doc a chance to gab with Dartan, the music man?
4: I think we should. I'm very interested in asking him for a little bit more information.
2: So yeah, you make your way into the hotel. Uh, Where are you currently, Dart? Dart, um, it's probably, like, noon, like, maybe 1230.
5: Uh, Dart would be... Sitting in the lounge, a palm lounge, uh, just chain smoking at one of the tables. He's he's probably like lighting up one cigarette as they're walking in, and he still has one in his uh, free hand. <laughs> he'll will see them and uh, kind of like jump up as he sees them. And, oh hey oh, hey guys, uh, Elliot didn't expect to see you back here so soon, hey? Eh? <laughs> Hi Evander Meek. He's not here for long better enjoy him while he lasts. Yeah, oh, okay, that's a weird way of putting it. Yeah, afternoon, afternoon, and uh, top of the afternoon to you as well, uh, Queenie, I don't think we've met before. Dart Vandermeek, the Danish Dart.
4: I'm Dr. Dorothy Greenbank.
5: Pleasure to meet you, Dr. Dorothy. <sighs> so, what uh, brings you a lot back here? So, evening-wise? Pre-evening-wise?
4: Well... We were at the Beaver Trading Post, and I just happened to be in town to investigate some goings-on. I'm a cryptozoologist with the University of Wisconsin Marinette. And, uh, Mr. Holloway and Mr. Pinkerton here told me about... I'm sorry, is it Dr. Holloway or Mr.?
3: Uh, still Mr. I'm working on a doctorate.
4: Mr. Holloway and Mr. Pinkerton told me about an incident in the lounge last night.
5: Oh, yeah. Uh, darndest thing there. Uh, actually, uh, there's been a bit more goings on, too. Uh, come on, sit down, sit down. Uh, Edgar, why don't you go grab us some drinks, eh? Sure thing. Green bag, coffee. Uh, you gotta be honest with me.
4: Sure, I'll have my third cup of coffee today. Yeah, sure. Sure, hon, <laughs> thank you. She, uh, she'll go back into that, like, little Grace Kelly handbag that she has and take out the stenographer's pad and a pen. And she's like, so, from beginning to end... Peace, thank you.
5: Well, uh I mean if you've already gotten Elliot's side, you've got most of mine. I was you know, as a normal night having a smash sesh, and then uh, you know, folks had cleared out. Band was just uh finishing up. I think they were packing up, heading out. I went to grab a drink, met up with Elliot here at the bar. And uh yeah. The doors blew open a couple times, and the second time we ran over and closed it and you want these neater-on-the-rocks? Uh... Yeah, that'll be great, Edgar. Thanks. <laughs> um... I, I shoot Elliot a look. Uh, I mean, how much did you tell her? You, you, you give her the full rundown? I don't know. He did.
3: Uh, yes, the, the hands yeah, Okay. glass. Yeah.
5: Okay. Yeah. Uh, I light up another cigarette. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, so... It looked like the glass kind of almost like fogged over, and there were these handprints in it. Uh, and I, it, it looked like it was, uh, you know, kind of climbing up the glass. And then when it got to the top, the whole the whole glass shattered. And, uh, uh, that, that was that was pretty much it. We kind lemon? of kerfuffled out of there. Squeeze a lemon. Um. No, nobody. No lemon. Uh, yeah, that'd be great, Edgar. Yep. Tons of it, please, in the coffee. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> I'm not getting you the coffee. You want a coffee? Whatever you think, bud. You're the expert. Uh, so, so I went, I went up, uh, this morning. Uh, well, I mean, I'm kind of skipping over the part where we talked to the police. So didn't- wait,
4: wait, 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 wait. You got the police involved?
5: Well, yeah, the hotel's glass busted up. But you got some sort of problem with the police there, Dr. Greenbank? All the police do is chase away the real problems. That's what they do. So you
4: said handprints on glass that exploded. Did the glass explode inward or outward? Or did you not notice? Inward. It inward, like you said. Okay, so something was trying to either get in or let something in.
1: Oh, I wish I had time to go to Madison. and use a Geiger counter. Anyway, um... You ever heard of cracking a raw egg and orange juice? Damnest thing I ever heard
4: of. Whatever you think, hon. And you mentioned there were some other goings on earlier today. Of the same kind, or of a different kind.
5: Well this morning I went up to to talk to uh old Saul, uh mister Fields, that he runs this place. Just, you know, making sure everything was still on for tonight, make sure the show's good and You know, I'm sitting there in his office, and behind him, from his window, I I thought I saw more uh, handprints crawling their way up his window, and, uh, you know, I I I freaked out a little bit, Uh, I pointed it out to him, but when, you know, he turned, they were gone, and he didn't see anything, so, you know, I I just got out of there real quick, and I came down here, and just been uh, relaxing, you know getting my nerves back under me and whatnot. Or trying to relax, as the case may be. Hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. 100% relaxed now. Hmm. Cool as a cucumber.
4: You're chain-smoking in the empty packs next to you. Are those one, two, yep, three. Uh, Say a little bit otherwise, but you know what? Who am I to deride others' coping mechanisms?
1: Uh, There we are. Brown for you, brown for you. That's a neat whiskey with a garnish on the side and a slice of lemon. And here's your coffee. Don't forget now. Think about what you had back at the post and then just try to compare the two in your mind. And then here's a orange juice with a cracked egg in it in case anybody wants to try it. I've never tried it myself, but if you want to be a guinea pig. I built a career out of challenging God. I might as well try it again. You ever use guinea pigs as guinea pigs over there, Frosty, when you're doing your uh, experiments in the land of tea and biscuits?
3: The scientific endeavors that we were... Embarking on didn't really involve uh, biological experimentation.
1: Oh, I forgot to give myself a drink.
3: I'll be right back. Uh, I'm sure you can have that one with the egg. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> and this Saul person is the manager of the Four Seasons.
5: Yeah, uh, Solomon Fields. Uh, I could, I could introduce him if him to you, to you to him to if you wanted, you know.
4: I would very much just to make my presence known.
5: Yeah, I, I'm sure he's be fine with you, uh, kind of poking around here. Anyway, you know, uh, figure out who or what broke his, you know, mm-hmm. broke his doors. Cherry won't mind that.
4: All right, wonderful. Thank you. And she'll like, she shuts her notebook and she'll take a sip of coffee, and she's just like, it's this like, it's that weird like, oh, it's. A little worse than the Trading Post coffee, but she doesn't want to hurt his feelings, so <laughs> she's like, "Oh, it's
1: <laughs> really good." <sighs> there we are. Hey, yeah. Hey, Vandermeek. You got anything left in one of those packs or you sucked the life out of? Them?
5: What? No, yeah, sure. Uh, here, I'll uh, toss the pack to him and put out two of the cigarettes I have in the um, orange juice and egg cup.
3: As uh. Ronnie starts to go and light one up. I'm going to take a pipe out of my um, jacket pocket and um, put some tobacco in there and light it up, too.
4: You're too young to be this much of a stereotypical academic yet. This is too much.
3: Their ways grow on you pretty quick.
1: So how are you two making out? And I gesture to the green bank in her coffee.
4: It's, um, very good. It's great.
1: You hate it, don't you?
4: No! No! No, I don't hate it!
1: Nah, it's written all over your face. There's coffee all over your face, and it's not good coffee. No! Maybe I should put an egg in it.
4: No, it's fine. It's really fine. Thank you, I appreciate the gesture. You gotta be
1: honest with me. You can't hurt my feelings.
4: I am being honest.
1: I'm losing customers over this. I already lost Elliot. He's moving away.
5: Look, look, look. There's an easy way to fix whatever's wrong with the coffee, okay? I'll, I'll take the coffee from Dr. Greenbank and <laughs> dump the whiskey into it and start sipping <laughs> that- it. Right as rain, good as gold.
4: Perfect. I don't drink on the job, but thank you.
5: Oh, well, I mean, that's fine. You weren't going to drink the rest of this coffee anyway, were you?
4: I... I was going to.
5: I'll
1: get you another.
4: No, honey, that's really not necessary.
1: Oh, uh, I, that's all right. <laughs> I don't mind. I can grab it. I I still got half a pot back there. Sure, dar. Sure, hon. So, uh, what do you guys find out? Are we going to go on a big sort of uh, monster hunt or what?
4: well we, there's some planning involved in monster hunts before you actually go on one i'd like to meet the solomon fellow and see if there's been anything that's not really um aside from the aside from the glass if there's been any other events here lately if this and then if we're looking at monsters we want to rule out other types of paranormal things first so i'm going to ask him if anybody's ever died here things like that
1: solomon who solomon grundy
4: Solomon Fields, the man who owns the Four Seasons.
1: Oh, sure, sure. I'm about the big man.
4: Yeah, I would like to meet him before I really decide to launch any sort of investigation.
1: Yeah, he doesn't come around the bar too much. Can't say why.
5: <laughs> Maybe if you had better coffee.
1: <laughs> Vandermique, I've had it up to here. You take one more crack at my coffee. I'm gonna blow my top.
4: Blow. Oh, he's gonna blow his tongue. I'm terrified.
5: Anyway <laughs>
1: <laughs> No, nah, it's just between us. We're friends.
5: I don't think he said that he was too busy today. I mean
1: Yes,
3: perhaps you should take Doctor Dorothy up there to meet with Solomon. Um I can get Ronnie to take me to wherever the um the broken glass would probably be at this point. I'm sure as the bartender you know where the Trash is kept around here. Oh,
4: oh! try to avoid touching it, if at all possible. If there's still fingerprints on it, I'm going to want to look at it. And I don't have the equipment with me to... Well, I do have... Do I have a magnifying glass? No, I don't have my magnifying glass. But it's to rule out your fingerprints. Try to avoid touching them. Actually, here. And she'll uh, go back into her handbag and pull out, like, a pair of, like, 50s, like, kid gloves. Like, women's gloves.
5: I mean, we were already... We were... We were already touching the, the glass, you know, when we were trying to push the door shut, you know, I don't know that we can really... No, no,
1: she's right. Caution on your paws with broken glass. As a bartender, I've seen a thing or two. It's also the middle of January, so
2: I think everybody would probably have, you know, some sort of, like, mittens or gloves or something like that, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's fucking cold out.
3: I take a look at her gloves compared to my hands and I'm like, um, I kind of hand them back to her. I'm like, we'll be careful. They're
4: like white lambskin with, like, pearls on the hem or something. (laughs) Like...
1: That's
3: a nice pair of
2: gloves, though. I know, right? Just saying.
4: She's a classy lady.
2: Um, anywho. You start to lead Dr. Greenbank through the hotel. You guys go through the lobby and you make your way up to the second floor. Um... You notice that Saul's office door is open again and so you walk up and you kind of knock on the door and he says one second second. and then you hear him put down the receiver of a phone and uh he says come on in baby all right
5: uh i will enter and uh kind of gesture for dr greenback to follow and say Howdy ho there, Saul. How are you doing? Hope I'm not interrupting anything. Cat's meow right here, just doing a bit of business and
2: shooting the old shade, if you know what I'm saying. So anyway, uh, who's this bird?
5: Uh, this right here is uh, Miss Dorothy Greenbank. She said she was from the college of...
4: Yes, I'm Dr. Dorothy Greenbank. I'm a professor of cryptozoology at the uh, University of Wisconsin, Marinette. Well, butter my biscuits.
5: Yeah, um, she said she's, uh, just wants to do a bit of poking around with the, you know, trying to figure out what all happened with that, that door that broke, you know. She wanted to meet with you, make sure it'd be okay to be just kind of wandering around, you know.
2: I mean, are you planning on staying at the Four Seasons? Yes, I am. Well, as a guest, you have free reign of the round, so feel free
4: to do as you wish. Thank you very much, I just wanted to make my presence known before I started poking around at anything.
2: Well, and if I see anything weird, I'll make sure to let you know. But I'm kind of working with a theory that it's probably some kids, or something of the like, because, well, it's pretty boring up here.
4: Well, you know, any investigation that I launch is going to rule out practical things first.
2: Well, alright, if you need anything from me, please, don't hesitate to let me know.
4: I will, thank you very much.
2: And I guess we will cut over to Elliot and Ronnie. Um, You would be, I think, heading around back to um, this kind of like large dumpster area. There's probably a bunch of them, um, just considering the size of this resort and the amount of things that are going on here on a regular basis. So I mean, like when you would get back there, you would realize like, oh shit. This is a daunting task. Like, this is this is not just, like, searching through, you know, a couple of cans of, uh, you know, like, one family's trash. Like, this is an entire resort. And, yeah, it might be somewhere near the top, but that still doesn't change the fact that there's, like, six of these dumpsters that you have to go through at this point.
1: All right, Frosty. In a last ditch effort to try and change your mind, I've decided to upgrade you to the Grand Suite. What do you think?
3: Um, that won't be
1: necessary. i my arrangements have already been made. Oh, are you sure? We got plenty of uh let's see, we got plenty of uh food in here. I opened one dumpster. We got some uh oh some towels, we got plenty of towels. Your place throws away towels <laughs> instead of watching them. You don't wanna know what goes on in the rooms. I don't ask. I just mind my business. (laughs) Apparently at this crooked hotel, they launder everything but the actual laundry. (laughs) Where on God's green earth do we start? Um, Statistically, it
3: shouldn't matter. As long as we systematically comb through these each one by one, we'll find it eventually.
1: Alright, you better start with the towels.
3: Uh, glass I don't think would be thrown away with the same in the same sort of bin as, uh, as towels I think we should search for things that would probably come from the bar area
2: probably this one over here why don't you guys roll me wisdom check
3: <laughs> alright rolling <laughs> i use my gigantic chicken die alright that's a <laughs> six on the die and my wisdom is a five so I fail
2: I failed So, y'all dig through a bunch of these dumpsters at this point. I think that you've probably ruled out three of them, and you're kind of dirty and cold and stinky, because, like, there have definitely been a few times where you've, like, went to go and grab something, and, um, like, a bag will burst open, and something with the liquid inside of it will then start to leak out and you're like oh oh," just the entire thing is just awful because it's not quite cold enough for everything to you know freeze quickly so it's just this gross slush of um, garbage juice that's just kind of spilling all over you guys and uh, it's probably been a little while Um, Dr. Greenbank and Dart. so I think you guys are making your way out back and you see that Elliot and Ronnie are, you know, digging through stuff and like trying to comb through garbage, and they just look filthy at this point. And they don't seem to have turned up much because they just have a bunch of different separated piles of trash, and yeah, it doesn't appear to be going well.
1: See, I think I found something.
3: He's said that several times. I wouldn't put too much stake in it.
1: Look at this vintage 1920. I thought I kept this but must have thought it was trash. I put this on my mantelpiece.
4: Oh, you think nineteen twenty is vintage. Okay. Um Alright. So you guys have been just digging at random or
3: We've already covered this bin, this bin, and we're on this one right now. Hey, we haven't touched the towels. I've just been sorting the towels off to the side. You you'd be able to hear glass clinking in whichever bag it was in. He's right. You don't have to open up every one. Ah, I wish you'd have told me that when we got... Have you been opening up every one?
1: I was wondering how you're getting done so fast.
4: Have you been going through every bag individually?
1: I'm a thorough investigator.
2: It's very (laughs) apparent that Roddy absolutely has been doing that.
4: (laughs) Oh, darling. Um, hmm. Let's, uh...
1: Hey, look, I found a letter. A letter? Legs.
4: Oh. Legs?
1: That's how it starts. Uh, legs. I can't stop thinking about last night. I'm sorry for how it ended, and I regret that you left. Suppose I had a few too many, but now I can't stop thinking about our time together. I especially miss the way that you took your, uh and the way you when i oh my it goes on and says some other stuff i'm just gonna keep this can i see it no no i i don't think it pertains to our investigation and anyway it's technically hotel property now so staff eyes only
4: ah all right i won't push it so let me think. She'll she's gonna just walk around and start like nudging bags with her foot to see if she can hear glass.
2: Um, no. You would assume that wherever it is, it's
3: probably in one of these dumpsters. I'll I'll start like since I'm already in one, just start handing out like bags out of the dumpster to those who are already standing outside of it to kind of, you know, give the poke test and stuff. Okay, so You go for
2: probably another 45 minutes. At this point, it's like three o'clock. You have another like hour and a half of sunlight. Like it is going to, you know what I mean? Like start to be getting dark. And just then when you're starting to think like, oh man, I should probably go and drive these guys back to Pembine and so on and so forth. So I'm not driving at night. You get a telltale tinkle of, uh, you know, pieces of glass moving around inside of one of these bags.
4: Oh, I hear something.
2: It's in the bin with the
1: towels. (laughs) 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 It's always the last place you look. I guess that would be the case, because you wouldn't be searching anymore after you find it.
4: That's a very astute observation, hon.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you can bust open the bag of glass if you'd like. Yep. Um... So you would immediately notice that this is, um, there are no large chunks of glass. It is completely just disintegrated. Like there are vacuum bags that are in here because it looks like somebody had to go through and like vacuum all of this up and then like empty out the vacuum bag into this bag and then realized like, oh, we're not gonna be able to reuse this one and then just toss them away like It would appear as though, um, three vacuum cleaners were probably ruined going over this stuff because it's just, like, little pebbles of glass and they are very sharp and, yeah, inconvenient for sure.
1: (coughs) Hey, Greenback. (coughs) Yeah? I think somebody threw some of your books away. (coughs) What? What do you
4: mean some of my books?
1: It's awful dusty in here. I... Don't start that with me.
4: That's what you call a callback. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, yo. um...
3: The gong show didn't exist back then, did it? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so, no. We're about to to rewrite history right here.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we already said that Kwanzaa exists. Already. (laughs) So... (laughs) Okay, so she uh, she's like, all right, so these are very sharp and very convenient. So let's see what we can do here. Hmm. All right, well, looks like it's just going to be gloves. And uh, in she goes.
2: I mean, digging through it, you only find more shrapnel. Like, it does not seem to be very useful, but it is very uniform which is
3: really weird that everything is about the same size some things can be derived simply from the state of the glass in which it's in Um, it couldn't have been a, a physical blunt force because it would have shattered the glass in streaks and there would be large sections small sections some sort of energy has overloaded the very structure holding this glass together a very uniform energy,
4: like an opera singer shattering a mirror.
3: Yes, vibrational.
5: Uh, I already said I've played a bunch of these shows already, and I've never had the glass break like that. So, like, it wasn't our instruments.
4: Your register is nowhere near high enough to shatter glass. And no, that's not an insult. You, you, you can't, you can't sing high enough to reg- to shatter glass.
3: And even with uh, vibrations causing a, a a breakup like that, uh, normally it would just Crack, and maybe even crack a lot and splinter uniformly, but uh, a massive amount of energy had to be used to get it to shatter in this manner. What's also peculiar is neither I nor uh, my companions Dart here. Had got the glass in our eyes, we were right there. Perhaps something that we couldn't see was keeping that from happening.
4: Uh, Dorothy is going to start like holding pieces of glass up to the sun. Uh, can she, are there like prints or anything on it? And she's using gloves, so. No.
2: Nothing discernible.
4: So we know that it was something with a tremendous amount of power that did it almost instantly, right? You said there was no like, it wasn't a splinter and then shatter, it was just a full shatter. Yes. So something pushed in at the same time, then.
3: Hmm. Is there somewhere we could take this? To... Study it further.
1: You could bring it to my place, I got plenty of room.
3: I'm talking about places with adequate scientific disabilities.
4: I don't think so. All of my equipment is in Marinette.
3: Perhaps the drive is in order tomorrow.
4: Perhaps. Do I do I think that there is anything that she could gain from this with further investigation? Like does she think that there's like is it possible I could pick stuff up with a microscope or with anything like that
0: maybe
2: you're not sure you think that uh, anything is possible at this point you do think that the majority of the information that you can gain from this has to do with the structure like uh, Elliot already said so a microscope can't hurt for sure
4: a microscope couldn't hurt I seriously doubt there's anywhere in Pembine I can get a microscope maybe there is a school they might have one in the science department
3: I look at my watch um you said it was already like around four in the afternoon um it's probably four fifteen
2: right now so I mean like it's gonna be getting dark pretty soon here
4: We should probably get you to you back to pembine
3: uh yes i I need to get my bike right now if I'm to make it there before dark this is i uh, let time get away from me.
4: Yes, of course. And I'll collect some pieces of glass, and we can go to the school, or call the school, tomorrow to see if they can, if they have a microscope we can use, or if they know where we can find one without having to go back to Marinette.
1: But first you gotta drop me off in my car.
4: I know, I know. And, uh, Mr. Vanderbeek, what time is your show?
5: A couple hours still, uh, Alright. Should start around eight.
4: So, let's get you two back to Pembine, you to get your car, and you back to your hoarding house. If you'd like to ride with us, you can, Mr. Mr. Vandermeek. Uh,
5: no, that's alright. I'll, I'll just uh, stick put here and keep an eye on the Ford, as it were. <laughs> Remember the Alamo and all that, you know.
4: Alright.
2: All right, you guys uh, make your way around the building and uh, head to the parking lot and get into Dorothy's
3: car and make your way to Pembine. Yeah, make sure to grab my bike and put it in the trunk or whatever. Oh, for sure. Absolutely.
4: You pop the trunk to put it in and she moves like a backpack and she takes out a switchblade and like tucks it into the belt of her, uh, like the waistband of her pants.
3: And I'm just, like, sitting there, like, just puffing on my pipe, like, uh... You know... (laughs) Not judging anything. (laughs) Hey, Frosty. Uh, yes.
1: You think if I took after you and made like a chimney instead of puffing the Joes, I would become smart like you? Frankly... Yes. I I think it would help out a lot.
3: (laughs) there's a first step to every adventure and I reach out and pat him on the shoulder (laughs) keeping an incredibly straight face the whole time alright then you make your way to the boarding house then you can
2: get in your car Ronnie and head back to your house or head to the lounge or whatever it is that you're doing this evening um Dorothy I assume that you're just heading right back to the Four Seasons then or where do you want to go after you drop him
4: off. Uh, she's probably gonna just, like, do a drive around town just to look around, and then uh, go back to the Four Seasons.
2: Okay. And where are you going, then, Ronnie? I gotta go Tin Bar. Okay. So I think we're going to fast forward some time, unless there's something
3: specific that you want to do right now, Elliot. Um... I would have just, like, gone up to my room. Obviously, I'm going to, uh, shower and clean up and definitely set aside my, uh, clothes that I wore today to get cleaned. And then I take out my one other set of clothes, the the, the other <laughs> suit, to, to put on for the, tomorrow and stuff. And, um, yeah, I'm just going to look through the books and I, uh, first pick up, um, you know, one of those quick, uh, short stories of, um, Philip K. Dick and, um and read through it it was the uh, the adjustment team we'll come back to you then all right I think around
2: eight o'clock you would uh, Ronnie you would notice that Dr. Greenbank walks in and uh, do you want to go sit down at the bar near Ronnie or would you go and get a table because I think that uh, darts band is already playing at this point
4: Uh, she'll probably sit at the bar
1: hey Greenbank come for another coffee
4: Uh, no. Uh, can you do a martini for me?
1: Oh, classy dame. Sure thing.
0: Olives?
4: Uh, lemon.
1: Oh, classy dame.
4: Thank you, hon.
2: The jazz plays, and it's good. The drink is good. I mean, it seems to be a pretty good night. And we flash back over to Elliot who is reading alone in his room, and Elliot, you hear the sound of snow crunching
3: from outside of the window that you're reading near. I immediately uh, close the the book I was reading, um, Magic in Theory and Practice, by Alistair Crowley, and um, head towards the, the window to look out. So you can see that the the
2: snow is making impressions, but you can't see anything making them.
3: Um, I'm going to uh, immediately fumble for um, for my glasses and um, try to wipe them off real quick and, and put put them on. You look and you
2: can see that they're going down the sidewalk and. They go down maybe a block or two and then turn to the left and you lose them, but you can still hear the sound of that snow crunching.
3: I am going to uh, quickly um, put on uh, shoes and um, grab some uh, flannels out of my uh, suitcase, put them on and, um, and go outside and try to follow them. You go outside
2: and it's easy to follow these tracks. They're obvious. But one of the things that you notice is that they're they're small. They're also, it looks as though it's something like walking on on all fours, but it's small and its hands are human-like,
3: but maybe the size of a small child's. I'm going to uh, lean down next to, to one of them. Um, and actually, like, uh, measure it against my own hand and then also press my own hand into the snow um, next to it to see, like, if it makes a similar sort of indentation. You notice that the fingers of
2: the other indentation are longer and more pointed, but they are similar. And you also notice that the night is silent at
3: this point. Um... Yeah, as I start to notice the, like, physical features of it, I'm also going to, um, like, make another test press um, in the, in there with a little bit more force. I'm going to try to gauge, like, what I can guess the weight to be of whatever this thing is. And then also, um, after I have one hand in, I'm going to reach forward and go for, like, where the next thing is and try to figure out a height. You would imagine maybe the size of a medium dog. And uh, once I have that information, I'm gonna continue to follow where they're going. I'm, I'm gonna hurry my pace now, like almost into a run. So
2: you're running and again, the night is just silent and you can just hear your feet crunching next to these tracks that you're following and they continue down for a few more blocks and then they cut down into this alley and you look and you can see that the snow is painted red. And.
3: Oh dear. There's a mound sort of laying there. I, I go to the mound and start, like, um, wiping snow off of the mound to try to see what's underneath. Um, you notice that there is a well
2: laundered suit and a lot of blood, just a tremendous amount of blood. And then the next thing you know, it's summer. And you're coming back through the woods and you know this area like the back of your hand and you have a shotgun over your shoulder and you have four shotgun shells inside of your pocket and you pat your pocket and you remember that those four shotgun shells are there and you can feel the the quail and the pheasants that are inside of the other pocket of your jacket this large sort of back pocket this this sort of hunting vest that you're wearing and you look down and you notice that the gun is large in your hands you would estimate that you're probably no more than 10 years old and you make your way and you get to this clearing and there's a rustic cabin and it Seems familiar, but it doesn't feel like home. And there's this bald man out front, and he's chopping wood, and he immediately starts making his way towards you, and you can tell that he's angry with you, and you're not really sure why he's angry with you. And he doesn't even say anything before he just walks over and he slaps you across the face and then grabs you by your hair and begins to drag you inside and you can feel your, your pants getting warm as, as you wet yourself and you're being dragged into this cabin and you're screaming and you're pleading and you're begging. And then you wake up incredibly cold next to this body and you're covered in a light snowfall but your entire body is just shivering as you again are awake and in this
3: alley what the hell just happened Uh, I'm gonna flip the body over and take a look at their uh, face do I recognize them
2: you would recognize this as one of the wise guys that, uh, was at the bar the other night. <laughs> shit.
3: <laughs> I, I, uh, look around. Is that, like, or am I still, like, in town? Are there houses near or anything? You're, you're in Pembine. You're, like, right, you know what I mean? Like, it's directly, you're, f- you're
2: fucking four blocks from your boarding house at this point. Like this is incredibly
3: close. Does anybody have their like lights on or anything? Does it look like they're up or anything?
2: Yeah, I would say that there's a house um
3: a few doors down that has uh lights on inside. Um I'm going to run as fast as I can up that house and, and bang on the door and shout, um, I need I need help. There's there's a man down out here. It looks like he's suffered incredible injuries. I need help, quick. Call the police if you can.
1: The Devil's Antlers is a Time to Die Podcast Network production. Find all of our shows at timetodierpg.com. If you would like to support us financially, you can pledge any amount of money at patreon.com slash time to die rpg. Or make a one-time donation at ko-fi.com slash time to die rpg. We have merchandise at so slash time to die. And if you use the discount code TimeToDie at checkout, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase. The ukulele music you're hearing right now is by Charlotte Pelgin. Find her at charlottepelgin.com, or her social media links are available in the description of this episode. She just released a brand new album, and you should definitely check it out if you like early era swing and jazz music. You can find all of our social media accounts, as well as those of our players, in the episode description. Our crew for this show was Tim Demuse, Chris Riley, Aubrey Gray, Eric Pat, and I'm Brian Bridges. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time for more of The Devil's Antlers.
0: Oh,
3: thank you very much. I, I noticed some, uh, some goods in the, the other store there. Um, I might come and uh, procure, procure, uh, procure some things later. I better say that whole sentence again or Brian's going (laughs) to... (laughs) Yep.